I'm Dawn. And I'm Ashley. We would like to welcome you to the Work It, You Are Worth It podcast. Where two friends sit around and talk about healing, growth, and healthy relationships. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Dawn. How are you? I am good. How about you? I'm good. Good. Uh, how was your week? It's been busy. It's inventory week coming up at work, and so it has been very busy. And how did it become Thanksgiving? Like, Thanksgiving and then blink, it's going to be Christmas, and I just can't. It's Time just goes faster and faster and faster. I cannot believe that this year has gone by nearly as fast as it has. Like, there's been so many changes and so many big things, and this year, literally, like, holy crap, where did it go? Yeah, I just, oh, well, we can't, we can't slow the time down. So I guess just better to just get on the ride and just go with it. That's it. That go with the flow. (laughs) And not avoid it. Speaking of avoidance. Hey. That's. Go ahead. That's right where we left off uh, last week. Is uh, what do we have the last five avoidance things? Um, I think. I think. Did we? I think we are on used. I think we're on use indirect and evasive communication. Or did we do that one? I thought. I thought that's where we were too. We are use a codependence often use indirect or evasive communication to avoid conflict or confrontation. I feel like we did talk about this quite a bit. Um, because we did talk about it, like, is it okay to turn around and walk out of a room? We did. So, I don't know, maybe we can recap that a little bit and then just, you know, pretty quickly and then jump into the remainder. We actually, no, we did do that one. We are on diminish the capacity to have healthy relationships by declining. Because we did, um, we had six left. Yeah. We, okay. Yeah. So, okay. Thank you. Okay, sorry about that, everybody. Okay, we're all... <laughs> all right, so, yeah. So, codependents often diminish their capacity to have healthy relationships by declining to use the tools of recovery. What does that mean? I mean, I don't know if I would say it's intentional. Like, when I read that, it feels like they're trying to say, maybe that's my perception, right? But it feels like this is trying to say that I intentionally do not use the tools of recovery, which diminishes my capacity to have a healthy relationship. What I hear that saying is that when I get into a disagreement with someone, rather than remaining calm, looking at myself, taking my own inventory, making amends, I instead choose to use blame and shame. I am thinking about in let's uh we'll just say using the concept of dating, right? I diminish my capacity to have healthy relationships in the beginning because I don't set clear and concise boundaries. I let my boundaries be kind of fluid based on 
with how much I like the person or not. And so if my brown, my boundaries blur or do not exist, then I am diminish, diminishing the capacity to have a healthy relationship. Or in the same situation, when I overlook red flags, right? I'm choosing exactly. not to see what's really there. Right. Um, one of the things I feel like when I go into certain situations, into re- certain relationships, and, w- and it could be friendship, romantic, it could be, um, you know, whatever, recovery, with my family, if, but I'm going to really focus on, I think, the romantic relationships. If I am meeting somebody and I want to, you know, we're hitting it off and we're talking a lot for hours on end or every day after work for three hours and I haven't done my recovery work or my meditate my taking my time for my meditation to be able to do my own recovery work and I let that go to the side because I'm having a good time in my conversation and then the next day it happens and the next day it happens um that it avoiding my my tool my recovery work will eventually diminish my capacity to have a healthy relationship Right, absolutely. Uh, and when I code in recovery, when I use the tools of recovery, I am able to develop and maintain healthy relationships of my choosing. Exactly. I think that I, I think that what that means is basically I evaluate and decide whether or not I want this relationship rather than just developing a relationship because someone likes me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for somebody to call, you know, ask me out and say, hey, do you want to go on a date on Thursday? And I, you know, I can evaluate it. Well, okay, I, this is, we're pretty busy the next couple of weeks. Okay, this is going to be my, my first time meeting this person. All right, I will not go to Thursday night meeting, my, which is my home group. And I will do this instead. But then... I make sure going forward that is not a pattern, right? Because I can't miss my Thursday night meeting. That is my home meeting. That is where, that is my family. And I have to set that that communication up front. You know, oh, I have a, I have a Thursday night meeting. I have, I have, I attend every week that I, I, I'm unwilling to, I'm just not willing to miss. And I think that goes I think that goes into the next one right so when I set those boundaries and those up front those boundaries so I maintain this is what I need to do from here on out even though I didn't do it today this is what I need to do I am honoring my feelings and needs but when I'm not in recovery when I'm being codependent codependents often suppress their feelings or needs to avoid feeling vulnerable. Now, you would think that, you might think that, oh, by saying I need to go to this meeting on Thursdays, that's not feeling vulnerable. But for some people, that could be a vulnerable thing to say, hey, yes, I'm here at dinner tonight, but from now on, I cannot do Thursday dinners. I have to do this meeting. What is another way we could suppress our feelings and needs in that situation? So, like, right, I need to go to my meeting. I need to attend this meeting. Um, What happens if the person, um, let's say you're out with this person, you meet a new person, and 
they do something that you feel that inner core ugh, feeling. Well, I mean, <laughs> so for me, if I feel that inner core ugh, feeling, that is a big major thing, right? For me, that inner core, if I ignore that, I am definitely suppressing my feelings and needs, right? I, it, the only way to not ignore that, this is someone new, this is a new relationship that we're talking about, would be to not expose myself to that anymore. Even in an old relationship, the only way to not, like when you say that inner core, ugh, I feel like we're talking about a big thing, right? That's not just he's chewing with his mouth open. Right. So, but couldn't that just be an old trigger and maybe it's something I need to work on? Like, right, I, like, because I, I, in the past, I would have, if I felt that, I would have rationalized it to be. I mean, it, it could be, and that's your responsibility to work on, and he is still triggering that trigger, so it's also my responsibility to not abandon myself, to make myself feel secure and supported, and not expose myself to it. It is still something I need to work on, and I need to heal, and I need to examine, and I need to grow, but I don't grow and heal and examine by exposing myself to it over and over and over and fighting it. But what if it's something like silly and what, you know, people are going to think like, what, this is such a great guy. And you like that, really, that's what you, and you're going to end If I date someone and they chew with their mouth open, I will end the relationship. It does not matter how minor or petty or silly someone else may think it is. It does, just doesn't matter. Well, why? Because they don't have to live it. I do. Okay. It's not their life. I agree with you. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're not in it. They're, they're not here. They're not experiencing this. Their opinion means nothing. So what about, I look at another thing, suppress my feelings or needs to avoid feeling vulnerable. So we, we've talked about intimacy, non-sexual intimacy. That is a need I have. But that means I have to be vulnerable. So I would and have avoided that that level of intimacy and said I wanted it like right I could say oh I want you know, I want intimacy I want that special bond but then I would not be my true authentic self and be vulnerable to be able to get the level of intimacy that I was looking for I feel like you just described every member of society in this century <laughs> right like everybody wears such a big mask to not show their true self because somebody else might be offended or somebody else might offend them so they hide it that that's that that is a codependent characteristic mm -hmm. so when it says to embrace i embrace my own uh, my own vulnerability by trusting and honoring my feelings and needs what does that look like 
I think that looks like leaving a dinner because someone's chewing with their mouth open. I think that looks like no longer reaching out to someone because every time you reach out, they don't answer in the way that you need. I think that looks like not speaking to someone because when you speak to them, you walk away feeling bad. Do I have to tell them? Like, what you're saying is like, all these times, this person's doing this. Do I need to say, I don't want to see you anymore because you chew with your mouth open? I don't... No, because what's the point in saying that other than to get them to change? Exactly. So, I um, think I've shared this story with you, but... So, there's this guy that I started dating... Uh, during COVID it was a little it was in COVID and really nice guy we really hit it off we had um, a lot of fun a lot in common um he was we would there was during COVID he would come over and we would spend the weekend just like playing cards and um having drinks and just laughing and just a lot in common and then I just I don't know there was something I realized that he just wasn't kind of what I was looking for in a way was just like not that he was a bad guy at all he was a very nice guy um had good character um characteristics as far as his values and all of that um but I just he was boring I'm gonna say that I want to put that out there because I think that's important he was boring and at the time in where I was when I was at right I was still working in recovery and boring was safe is safe and is but boring is boring and I really like I'm not used to boring with individuals it always has to be the roller coaster ride where I'm all over the place and right that I was just gonna say I was literally just gonna say we used to always talk about the roller coaster ride versus the merry-go-round yeah yes he's the merry-go-round Right, that's, There's got to be something in between. There does. And so I was like, oh, I wasn't really interested in. So I was like, you know, I, I was just like, look, I'm I really want to see other people. I w- it was one of my first true um, authentic conversations with a partner um, with a, with the other someone that I was considering a partner, a relationship with. And. It was a it was a rough conversation. I can think back to it, and it was like I was not good at it because um, I was it was I was still learning. And so I told him I wanted to see other you know I was really wanted to see other people. It's not that I didn't like him. I just I wasn't ready to be in a you know like a one on one relationship. So, anyways, we didn't. He got he got very upset about it, and then we didn't talk for almost a year and he reached out to me and find out he ended up having some very serious medical problems and that's re- the reason he didn't reach out and I that was fine I just figured he was mad and whatever I wasn't like I was not taking those feelings on he was angry he couldn't handle it that's his problem not mine I spoke my truth so he this year has reached out every so often and earlier this uh, probably about five months ago he reached out and said I've been thinking about you and I would really like to take you to dinner and you know being on you know further into recovery now I I'm not scared of boring right 
I'm not scared of that. I'm not scared of the mer the merry-go-round because the merry-go-round can be a lot of fun if you let it be a lot of fun. And so he, he I said, sure, I would do dinner, but I could not do dinner for like five weeks because I was busy. Well, he got a little uh about that, and I was like, okay, well, that's fine. And we ended up not making any plans. And then a month later, he called me in again, and he's like, can we go out to dinner? I would, you know, I'd like to take you out to dinner. And I said, sure. I, and I broke my, kind of my one, and I don't want to say I broke it because I made this very conscious choice. I had plans on Saturday night. I said I could do Friday night. And like I've said to you before, I like to have Friday nights home to myself. Um, unless I consciously decide that I, I'm, I want to do something. So I was like, sure, no problem. Let's, you know, let's plan something. And um, he's like, okay, I'll check with you, check in with you, and we'll, you know, lock down the plans uh, first of next week. Great. Well, never heard anything. And then all of a sudden, a couple months, month later or so, I get another call. I've been thinking about you a lot lately, and I want to take you to dinner. And I, I could have been, well, you didn't do it the last time. And I, but I was like, okay, I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt. Think, yeah, things happen. People, right. He was, let's go to, you know, I, I really want to take you to dinner. You pick the place, whatever. But I'm like, I'm like, okay. Dead silent. I'm still waiting for those dates, right? They have not happened. Wow. I, right. Um, but now he called me again like right hadn't heard from him then he i got a call from him last week i just didn't answer and i'm not gonna answer right right it's gonna be the exact same thing exactly and it but, but what would my intent be if i picked up the phone and he's you know right i could if if he asked i would tell him but if what is my intent if i pick up the phone in the intention to tell him well you did this 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 and this that's not right cool. what's the point of even answering the phone exactly other than with the intention of saying that and is that who you want to be no now if he asks me did i do something wrong you know and i'm you know, you know you're not answering did i do something wrong or did something happen or whatever if I chose to, then I could say it. I probably won't because there's just no point. There's just really no point. I think that sounds to me like honoring your feelings and needs. Yeah. So, okay. So the next one, codependents often pull people towards them, but when others get close, push them away. This one was always a little confusing to me. Yeah, I don't, I've never been much of an avoidant. I do have some avoidant personality defects, right? There is quite a few of these that I do tend to do. Um, but this one has never really been one for me. My, my biggest issue, right, it's not that I pull people toward me, but then when they get close, I push them away. My biggest issue was maintaining healthy boundaries while having close relationships. Um, so here's how I read this one. Pull people toward them, but when others get close, push them away. So what that, for me, what that means is I'm going to, in a romantic partner, right, I'm going to be, I'm going to pull them to me. Whatever I have to do, right, 
put my claws in, hang on for dear life. Pull them towards me. However, but if someone approaches me, right? Uh, uh, let's say using a romantic partner or a man. In, in my case, right? I you know I date men, so I might pull one person towards me, but there might be another man who actually is approaching me, in, with interest in me, and might be from a and might be a healthy healthier, and I'm going to push him away to protect myself because. I want to avoid him realizing I'm not good enough. And it's not that conscious. It's not like I'm sitting here thinking, oh, no, I don't want him near him near me because he's going to realize that I don't this, this, that, and this, right? It is a subconscious thing that, I, that I've, I've done that I did not realize. It was always me feeling less than. I can definitely see where I have done that in the past. Like... When my ex-husband and I separated 19 years ago and before Nick and I got together 17 years ago, there were many relationships in between where I would pick the unavailable person um, almost intentionally. Like a lot of times it was subconscious, but it was so obvious that it was shocking that it wasn't a conscious choice. Right. And so I went... So when I, like I said, when I early on and the guy was like, what's this mean? I don't understand this. I don't do this. Once I really looked at it closer, it's like, oh, yeah, I did. I do that frequently. Yeah. I never really examined this one in that manner, which kind of surprises me as many times as we've gone over it. You know, go ahead. Sorry. 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 Go. No, you're good. I've just never experienced it in that manner or examined it in that the way you just described it before until today. And I definitely did that. One of the other ways I think of it is, too, is right from a superficial perspective. I see two people, and again, I'm going to use romantic partners just to keep it kind of in the same realm, but I would somebody that I find pleasing to the eye that I am visually attracted to I would pull them to me but they have unhealthy written all over them not physically right but emotionally yes unstable financially or whatever right but they were pleasant to the eye or they they met checked my boxes from my 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 physical taste yep but then on the other side I have this this guy that's two inches shorter than me um not necessarily my type but my or could be my type just as two inches shorter than me three inches shorter than me but he's very healthy he's got a he's financially stable he's emotionally stable he right he does care about his health and he does the things he needs to do for his health I'm not gonna say working out I'm not gonna say right because that's not always a a requirement like you can have be healthy and we've talked about this be healthy without being a gym rat right I I don't think I ever I've I don't I've had little bits and spurts here but I don't go to the gym and I'm pretty healthy yeah so I I would avoid this person because oh he's two inches shorter than me oh he right oh he's not you know he's different than I would normally he's not my but 
but pull in the unhealthy, uh, more more physically appealing guy. Exactly. That you know is emotionally unstable and unavailable and all that. Yes, because that it was, I, there was something I was trying to avoid. Because I can, back in the day, I could, I was on a level playing field with the physically appealing one. I wasn't going to be less than, I was going to be more than. Right. And right. That none of this was intentionally said out loud. Right. That's not. It was something that I had to realize through recovery of what I was doing. Right. In the moment, you had no idea. Like, I know I had no idea in the exactly. moment that I would do that. There have been two very specific men in my life who I can think of who were healthy they would have been forever lifelong partners and most likely we probably would have been very 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 happy together and because they didn't offer me that level of intensity the danger the passion or the the roller coaster yes the roller coaster right because they didn't meet this certain level that I thought I needed to have in my mind I chose the emotionally unhealthy one that needed healing in both of these situations like both both of these people that I'm talking about they're completely different generations in my life completely different ages and times in my life and still I chose and my reasoning behind it was the spark I just don't know where the spark is that spark was not anything except roller coaster you know what I (laughs) mean oh I do yeah I can't, you can't have the good, intense, insane highs if you don't have just as bad, intense, insane lows. And there was a time in my life where I thought I needed those highs. Now I would much rather go on the little bunny coaster that just has little ups and downs than these great big, huge ups and downs and twists and turns and all that. Well, you let's compare this to a traditional addict as we would think about it, right? An addict isn't going to take a drug addict or an alcoholic, right? Oh, I can't, I'm going to have one drink and have just been be, you know, be good, right? They want the all in. The high. The high, right? Which is what we're talking about, right? You are talking about the high in the excitement in the relationship yes that honestly that was one of the ways I knew that Nick and I were truly done there were no more it wasn't bad there was no bad but there was no good either there was absolutely zero up and down there was nothing left to fight about there was nothing left to connect on there was just nothing and not even and giving nick the benefit of the doubt and being you being honest with who you are right it wasn't just you he came to this realization as much as you did oh absolutely this was a mutual decision 100 percent. i don't i don't think there was any anger on either side or any intense feeling again there was not like there was nothing left and it wasn't even 
you weren't even on the merry-go-round. No, it like it, you weren't it, on. Like you were like standing on the ground. Like we were, we weren't even sitting on the bench watching the merry-go-round. <laughs> we weren't even in the fair. Like there were, yeah. it, 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 there was just. There has to be some sort of again, the in- amount of intensity in the good is the same amount of intensity that you will find in the bad, and if there is nothing, it's just nothing. There has to be some ups and downs in order for there to be connection. Um, one of the things, I, another one example I want to use with this one, because it'll take us into in recovery, is my, my entire adult life, I have always drawn in romantic men. I've drawn in men, pulled them in, kept them in when I needed to, like I needed to. However, I would never seek out and work to have relationships with women. When I mean relationships with women, I'm talking about friendships. It was always about romantic partners controlling manipulating a man to get what I want because that's what was going to fill the void in my in that that I felt was missing interesting what I've uh-huh. realized this year and this is a, and that's what I love about recovery like if we're doing the work and we're growing it's I can say as recent as this year it's different right I have shifted this year to where I'm not seeking out a romantic partner and pulling them closer to me intentionally pulling them closer to me right I would change who I was I would change my behaviors I would change the way I talk the way I act to pull them in see that was where my struggle was is that I did that I like I always welcomed close relationships whether it was with men women friendships significant Mm -hmm. other relationships I always craved and wanted and yearned for close relationships yes and as soon as I found one Mm -hmm. I would not I would I would I would there was no boundaries there was no such thing as a boundary I did not stand for anything that my dad used to tell me all the time baby you got to find something that's worth it because that was my that was my resolu- my my response every time he'd say why aren't you saying anything I'd say because it'll just cause a fight and it's not worth it right and he used to tell me all the time you have to find something that is worth it you have to have some sort of a boundary I, I did not I never I would change anything I needed to to make you happy and what that does is that if I am constantly shift, shape-shifting who I am for who I'm around, that's pushing people away. We, it's, right? It's pulling, it's, yes, we're manipulating them and we're getting what we want, but in reality, we're pushing them away. Because well, because no, they, they, they don't know us. Exactly. Exactly. But when we want, we welcome close relationships while maintaining healthy boundaries, we are authentic to ourselves. 
I do not become a different person when I'm around this friend or that friend or this person or that person. I am Dawn. I know who Dawn is. I've worked really hard over the last five and a half years to find out who Dawn is. And you know what I found is Dawn is likable. Dawn is lovable. Dawn is the person that gets told now when I am honest about how I used to be, people will be like, what? Really? You're the most inviting, wonderful, friendliest person without you. Like this wouldn't be, the group wouldn't be what it is. Like you bring such a light and a fun to it. And we, I don't get that from one person. I get that from everybody because I'm now living my authentic life. Because you're not worrying about everybody else and what they think or what they want. You're just doing what feels right to you. And everybody is reaping the benefits of that. Exactly. And that is what's important to realize. If I am truly me and my authentic self, I am a wonderful, loving person. And people will be drawn to that. So the next one is codependents often refuse to give up their self-will to avoid surrendering to a power greater than themselves. I have to say, I didn't, I, I, I absolutely refused to give up my self-will and it was absolutely to avoid surrendering to a power greater than myself. However, for a long, long time, I did not realize that self-will was even like this thing. Like I didn't, like I knew it was a thing, but I didn't understand that trying to force an outcome was holding on to my self-will. Like I just didn't get that. I, I didn't, I get that now, but I just thought the right thing to do. So right when you say, what do you mean by self-will? Let's start there. Let's talk about what self-will is. Well, it's what I want. It's the, the, the self-will is the outcome that I want. Right. It's my self willing something to happen. Right. So what I didn't, I didn't realize that there was any other option than self-will. So what is the other option? Basically, uh, is it where I just let go? Right. Well, the other option is trusting that there is a power greater than humanity out there that is going to create life. Okay. Okay. So, right. So to what it says is I believe in a a trust a power greater than myself. I'm willing to surrender my self-will to my higher power. But... I don't believe in God. Ashley, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God either, Don. I believe that there is something bigger than me out there assisting the universe to run. Human beings did not make trees. Human beings did not create the atmosphere or make the rain or hurricanes. Something is creating all of this. I believe that that something is bigger than myself and bigger than all human beings and therefore can see more than I can. Well, but that's God. God does that. 
I mean, I guess that depends on what your interpretation of God is. God to Christianity is one thing. God to Catholics is something different. God to Satanists is something completely different. You you choose what the word God means to you. So For me, it's just a power greater than myself. So I can decide what my higher power is. You're the only one that can decide what your higher power is. Somebody else can tell you what their higher power is, but they don't know your higher power. They don't know you. They're not in your heart. So I think this one, this for me right here, this freedom to be able to define what I needed and what my higher power was, was one of the the first things that I could just go (sighs) the weight that I carried with all of this being like not knowing that it was okay to have a higher power of my own understanding yeah was oh my god that was a new freedom and my therapist is the one and she is very she's very religious she believes in a traditional god and she I told her I didn't I told her like I didn't grow up I grew up with God being a judgmental God um that's what it right that was always God was always the th- a threat so he was never there was never anything positive around God um so I just was not even I forced myself to go to church and just did not get I got it from the music I got it from you know that part I could feel that feeling in me but it wasn't the the God part and she's like well why does it have to be God where do you go that you can put all the weight you're feeling on out of your body onto something else and just sit in quiet and peace weightless and it was the beach I ended up that's my was my first ever higher power was the beach because I could let go of all the bullshit I was carrying and weight stuff that was just weighing me down and I could just let it go well last time I checked there's nothing bigger than the ocean it's powerful I let it go then I realized, oh, wait a minute. Once I started getting out there more and realizing and I started kayaking and then it became, it was still water and it was still the outdoors, but it was on a river somewhere. What I realized to me was the higher power is that feeling of walking outside into this universe and feeling the force that's around me my feet on the ground that connection and you know finding all of this and and in recovery I believe in and trust a power greater than myself I willingly surrender my self-will to my higher power finding this recovery this one specific thing out of everything else that we've talked about I used to be the person that worried about everything. 
if my boss texted me or emailed me and said, hey, I need to have a meeting in two hours, I would spend the next two hours trying to figure out where I screwed up and what I did wrong and what I needed to say and how they were going to respond. I spent 10 years terrified that my ex-husband would kidnap my children. I, I worried. I remember driving home from work some days and planning what I would do if I pulled in the driveway and my house was on fire. My dog's inside and my kid's standing outside screaming. Like, I actually had these thoughts on a regular basis. I was a terrified, worried mess. Yep. And this one thing alone, finding a higher power, willingly, willingly surrendering my self-will. Every single time I had one of those thoughts telling myself, uh-uh. I have a power greater than myself, and if that is meant to happen, then there is a reason for it, but I trust my higher power, and I, it, it, that's not going to happen, or, or what, however I would talk to it, right? I would talk myself off that ledge because I had this, I, I now have this faith in a power greater than myself that I had lost so long ago. Um, this one thing alone changed my life in ways that I really just can't even describe. Yeah, uh, this just the just yeah, uh, I agree. This one, and it still changes my life, right? Just the it changes my mood. It changes and just just transitioning into the next one. It changes my emotions, right? That it's okay it's just okay because my higher power has got me he's not and I use he because it's just the easiest term to use really for me I use he because that masculine energy so when I think of a masculine energy I think of a provider security um, safety stability and that is how I consider my higher power yeah, I don't, mine's not a he or a she, it's really nothing, <laughs> right? It's just Mine's this, an energy. Yeah, um, but I just, I think because of societal, we always have used the word he around something, higher power, it just has stuck with me, and so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, everybody has their own, I, I could easily say she, too, it wouldn't, like, it wouldn't matter, it's not going to change. He just comes out more naturally exactly. for me. Me, too. Me too. So the one we were reading, codependents often believe displays of emotion are a sign of weakness. Yes. I did not think it was. I was told, I was taught that crying was not good. I was told growing up, if you don't stop crying, I will give you something to cry about. Ooh, me too. <laughs> so, well, I'm not going to cry. I got it. So- or, you're such a baby. Dry it up. Yep. Yep. And you don't know what you're crying for yet. You ain't got nothing to cry about. Let me give you something to cry mm-hmm. about. You're acting like a baby. All the you're time. T- oh, my God. So, I became a very good not crier. Very good at not crying. Unless someone died. And then I cried like the world ended. Mm-hmm. Then 
on the other side of it, I would get excited, I would be loud, and I would be, I would be told, will you stop? You're, you're, you're just so much. You're just talk too loud. You're just too, ugh. And I, so I. Extra. Extra. My, I've always been told my whole life, you're too sensitive. You're too loud. You're too extra. You're just too much. Yep. Yep. You have no patience. So all of this stuff that I heard shut down my emotions. Now, did that mean that we didn't have emotions? No, just that I couldn't display them. Exactly. I just buried them and ate them instead or cut them, right? I mean, people wonder how addictions come about. When I say I just buried them and ate them, quite literally, people eat food for their emotions. There's people that cut to feel pain because they can't feel the emotional pain. There's, God, I remember being, I was probably eight, nine, ten years old, and I used to scratch my wrists. I would just itch my wrists over and over and over until they bled all the time. I I have arthritis in both of my thumbs now because I used to put my thumbs to my palms and squeeze as hard as I could to create that pain so that I could feel it because I would bury my emotions so deep. Man, dang, I didn't... Okay, I so I have... Well, my first thought was, but then I have another one that I, I'm going to actually work out here with you because I just thought of it. But... I was a nail biter because that was a way to avoid emotion. Oh, I needed to right have my and I would bite my nails so deep. I'm not a nail biter anymore. My nails grow; they're beautiful, right? Because I don't. It's not something I have. I can now feel my emotions. But the one thing that I was just thinking about, and I've done this as long as I can remember, and I still use it to this day. Inside your mouth, on the corner, like, okay, where the crease of your mouth would be. Yeah, bite in your lip slash cheek area. I have a little spot right inside my mouth, right underneath my lip, that is actually sticks out. I don't have it on the other side. I only... It's calloused. That I still use to this day. I get blood work. I bite on that. I get an injection into my knee. I bite on that. It's a psychological thing doesn't hurt it's so callous like you said it's so used to it it's so crazy you say that I do almost the exact same thing but for me it's my molars on the right side and I bite the inside of my cheek and then I pull it away like I like blow my cheek out to pull it Mm -hmm. so it pulls the skin off and there's a callus there now because I've been doing it for so long well, it's interesting it's in our mouth, and I, I think that's a, there's a reason. I can't do that. That is my own self-infliction that nobody can see. Nobody yes. can tell I am doing that. Yes, that's what my thumbs were, too. Mm. Interesting. So in recovery, I honor my authentic emotions and share them when appropriate. This is... Um, actually really big for me the last several weeks um going through some pretty big changes in my life and honoring my emotions and sharing them when appropriate those two things 
they're two very very separate things but when they come together it's intense um Nick and I have been separated where we have split up a I don't know he moved out like a month ago it's been several months that things have been going on however we have worked at the same place for a while now and I know the same people he worked there for many years so he knows that quite a few of them very very well and a lot of them care deeply about him and they will come to me and ask me how he's doing and as you can imagine I have many authentic emotions about this and sometimes it's appropriate to share a certain level of them and other times it's not appropriate to share them at all and yet to still be authentic to them it has been a very intentional learning journey on how to do that over the last couple of weeks I have had to um, I have had to figure out how to say what I feel is real and not use anger or aggression or hurt to do it. Um, one of the other things I think about too with this is I used to have, and when I did have emotions, I would have them extreme. I was extremely happy. I was extremely sad. What I've learned now is that I can have a balance in my emotions. I am never extremely sad, but I can be sad. I can also not be extremely happy, but be happy. I can cry, right? I can now, I, I, when I would never cry, I could read something and not cry. There was, I would joke, I wouldn't joke, but like, because I wouldn't cry, I have a couple of movies, I have two movies that I can watch and I'm guaranteed to cry. One is Father of the Bride. The other one is, um, Oh, I'm crap. I drew a blank. But it, it's it's with Richard Gere and um, Jodie Foster. The Notebook? No, it's an older movie, and not many people have heard about it. And it's about basically this guy that goes off to war, and he comes back, and it's questionable if it's really her husband or not. But they build this relationship, and then they find out. It's supposedly not him, and they kill him. He has to be hung because he murdered somebody. But they fell in love, and it's right, and they're happy, and it's wonderful, and they kill him. And I just, every time, there's a point in the movie, and I just bawl my eyes out. And I will think of the movie in a minute, but and then I'll come back. I'll and, and that was how you expressed your emotions. That was because ex- you right. were unable to. Exactly. So I would sit on the thing and when I knew, like, you know how you would feel that, like, that bottled up where I need a good cry? Right? I yes. had to turn on one of those movies and I'd watch those movies just so I could have an ugly cry. 
instead of knowing it was okay I don't need to have an ugly cry I still cry when I see that movie I just don't have to watch intentionally just to get it out exactly that's I mean right that's at, at this point in time if I feel something I feel it and as far as the depth of the emotion, the intensity of the emotion, one of the things that I have learned is I absolutely adore the depth of my emotion. Yes, that extreme happiness also comes with extreme sadness. And yes, in order to have one, you have to have the other. And it doesn't last forever, right? I have learned how in that moment of the lip quivering, snotty, headache inducing, ugly cry to remind myself that I have to be able to have this intense of an emotion if I want the intensity of the happiness and the love. And this too will pass. So I think I, I think I like that right I'm not on a merry-go-round. I am a little bit of a roller coaster. The intense highs, the intense lows, and that's okay as long as it's a healthy roller coaster. Like, I want to be on the kiddie roller coaster, the one that just goes in a circle and just goes little ups, little downs, little ups, little downs. That Nobody's ever died on it. Right? It's not actually dangerous. It just feels a little bit dangerous every now and then. Yeah. That's what I want. I just want that. Um, the name of the movie is Summersby. You knew you'd remember it. <laughs> okay, so our last characteristic. Wow, we're at the end. Crazy. Okay. Codependents often withhold expressions of appreciation. Why? Like, that's no big deal. Why? Why? What do you mean by that? Because... So... I used to not think I was this way, but as I have grown, and I am definitely not this way anymore, I now realize I did used to be this way. So what would happen is I would feel hurt. I would feel um, victimized in one way, shape, or form. I would feel like somebody did me wrong. And because they did me wrong, and I did not get what I needed because of that wrong, then I wasn't going to give them what they needed. Okay. So I did this, do this, I used to do this one as well, but from a different perspective. Um, I would would withhold expressions of appreciation because I always felt less than. And by expressing appreciation and I, it made me feel even more less than because that meant they were better than me. They were, it was a weakness in me. There was, I was, it was, I was less than. So by, so by telling them that this was great or this was awesome or this was amazing it was taking away from you somehow yeah and it sounds like i mean sitting here now it's like it sounds like well that doesn't make any sense but it's right my pre-recovery brain didn't make sense 
I was surviving. I was rationalizing. And this is one of those that I felt if I gave someone else recognition, it made me even more less than. You know, I can see that. Not like I can see that in you, but there used to be this person I used to work with. And anytime you told, anytime I told someone else that I appreciated them, she would be like, well, what about me? And I used to have to tell her all the time, listen, giving to them does not take away from you. I have enough to give to them and give to you. And literally, we're just talking about appreciation, gratitude, like, hey, you did a really good job. And she would be like, hey, what about me? Didn't I do good? Yeah, man, you did good too, but I was talking to so-and-so. Giving to them does not take away from you. I will be over there in a minute to talk to you. Hold on. And so I can see, like, how that – I could definitely see how that would uh, work. Yeah, Um, it was my own insecurities. But once I worked through my insecurities and I realized that what others do does not take away from me and does not impact me and does not create my worth, now I can compliment anyone on anything. I can thank them. I can appreciate them. I can acknowledge what they're good at because it doesn't take away from me. It has nothing to do with me. I think I now say thank you more than I ever have in my entire life. But wait a minute. So I, I've i excessively said thank you my entire life, but I, like, it's funny and I, like, it's, I would say thank you and not even say thank, like me, like, I would just say thank you, like, kind of like this false Right, like if you were at the drive through checkout window and they hand you your change, you're like, thank you, and on you go. Right, or, yeah, like... But see, I Or the word sorry. The word sorry was another word that I just would throw out. Like, it was no big deal. I still say sorry all the time. I'm working on that one. (laughs) (laughs) But it's... But thank you has turned into this genuine, like... I appreciate you stopping what you were doing for 30 seconds to look at me and speak to me. I see that you did that, and I really appreciate that. Thank you. One of the things that I've really taken on this year is when I'm someplace and I'm thinking I'm thinking someone is thank you and saying the words, thank you, and I appreciate, I appreciate you. I have started, yeah, so that was my big thing this year that I focused on was thank you, I appreciate, thank you for, ba ba ba. I appreciate it. Yep. So really being genuine and not just being like, oh, thank you, but thank you for being patient with me, or mm-hmm. thank you for taking time out of your day, or thank you for helping me, I couldn't have done that without you, or, right, whatever it is. Right, servers at the restaurant, servers at a restaurant, right? All they're there doing is waiting on me. I can tell them, I appreciate, thank you. I appreciate what you have done. I appreciate you, right? That time, a lot of times is all people need to hear. I mean, I'm not saying not to tip or anything like that because I do tip when I tip well, but even if I'm on a customer service call, if I'm calling and to make an appointment and or asking about my bill, and somebody takes the time to really walk through 
what I need to know and I I end up being having all the information and feeling very good about what what the, the phone call it takes me two seconds to say thank you I appreciate you and the time you spent oh absolutely and those people that you talk to on the phone every day are one of the least appreciated yep. and most verbally abused I, I did it for a couple of years about five years ago um, ver- most verbally abused that I can think of people are not nice to people they speak to on the phone so to take 30 seconds out of your day and thank someone for going out of their way to help you resolve your issue rather than just demanding they do is a pretty big thing these days yeah so in recovery i freely engage of in expressions of appreciation towards others i go out of my way to tell people what i appreciate about them because it helps me be mindful of what I appreciate about them. Yeah. I was, uh, Friday night I was on the trolley with, uh, we were downtown Tampa going to see Christmas lights and I was with my, my girlfriends and one of the, I know how I feel and I've shared this with you and on here, like my, I've made some amazing, amazing core group of people that I just truly, I just truly love them. They are wonderful, wonderful people. And we're standing there, and we're hanging on to the trolley, right? We're both jerking around because it was, it was packed. And she, she says, you know, I'm so grateful for what I have found this year and, the, and, the, and this core group we've created, and I just appreciate you all so much. And I've said it. I've thought it. And I, you know, I quite, I kind of didn't know if everybody else felt the same way that I did. And so to hear that the other night was just, it was just such a warming. It's really genuinely heartwarming. Yeah. Like, like that is a description of an action. Oh, that was so heartwarming. And it's always been like, oh, that's sweet. But when you think about it, and there is a genuine warming of your heart, yep, it that is a true emotion. Like that is a true feeling. It was heartwarming. Yeah, it, I was. I have looked for fifty years, fifty-two years, to find this a group of women. And this goes back to I welcome close relationships while maintaining healthy boundaries. I have found close relationships with women and what that has created is my, I no longer need to find a man to have a close relationship. It's, and I've not experienced that ever in my life until this year. That's, that's an, that's insane. That's, I mean, to have that is nice. It is. And, you know, we've talked through these patterns, you know, we've went from denial, right? And we, we did talk early in the beginning about how these kind of, they, they transition with recovery. Like we start out in denial, right? We realize then, oh, wait, a lot of this is our own low self-esteem, then we write, we, oh, wow, okay, I can see my compliance in, in situations. And then I can 
I can see how that the control has made all of it happen. Avoidance, this for me, this year has been what I have worked on. It doesn't mean I'm perfect at all of these steps or I'm in the recovery all the time, right? I bounce back and forth. But this year has been about not avoiding relationships. Not avoiding emotions. Yes. Not that is that is my next year. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's just not avoiding who I am. Genuinely and authentically. Correct. Yeah. Not not yeah. This for me, twenty twenty four is I'm I'm hoping this is I don't know, I don't want to say that too loud. My higher power might hear me and stop <laughs> allowing me to avoid things, but I'm hoping this is the year that the avoidance tends to right like like you said that's kind of the last step right mm-hmm. like once we've been able to see everything else this is the last thing where we're just it's like being afraid to just let this one last thing go and i'm ready for it right because you got to look at yourself you have to be honest with yourself you have to look at your relationships and that this this avoidance is all about looking at yourself breaking down these old habits these old patterns these old thoughts and not avoiding the avoiding situations the tough the tough conversations the ones we don't like to have that aren't fun we gotta have them for sure because that's how we grow Thank you so much, Dawn, for another amazing recording. Listeners, it has been a wonderful week yet again. Thank you. Yes, um, it was been a, I really loved looking at these patterns in the level that we have done that this time or this round. Um, it was just been really eye-opening for me as well and just really has cemented my awareness of my own growth um, through recovery. So that's been that's been a lot of fun. Um, for me also I've I've enjoyed going over every one of these with a fine-toothed comb it's been really nice yep so all right Ashley have a great week listeners have an amazing week and we'll talk to you next week all right thanks everyone thanks bye bye we would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery Visit the Work It website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes. And remember, work it because you are worth it.